Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. For those of you joining us for the first time, Bad Storytellers is a podcast about a small group of amateur writers who submit and critique each other's work as well as discuss the written media we consume. It's like a book club but with a wider focus. Our group submissions are shared on our website, badstorytellers.com, and you can download them there if you'd like to read along with us. Additionally, we also accept your submissions for critique. If you would like some feedback with the same candor that we give each other, send in your submission to badstorytellers at gmail.com. Entries must be 10 pages or less. Additionally, at the end of each show, we roll the dice, pick three genres, and come up with a movie idea. Once we decide upon a name, we record the trailer for your listening pleasure. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bad Storytellers Podcast, where we turn bad writers into good ones. Starting with our local writing group, I'm Joshua LaForge, and with me today is Douglas Banks. Yo. Liam Malone. Holla. And Max Wessel. Hello. All right, and we're going to... Uh, read each other's writing, we're going to talk about uh, the things that we've read, and uh, the show notes for everything we talk about today are going to, can be found on our website, badstorytellers.com. So, last week, on episode one, I had the wrong de- definition for the word callow. Mm-hmm. Callow actually means like juvenile or unseasoned, naive, but it's pejorative. It's, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a negative. Still yes. works. Yeah, totally. Still works, yeah, sure. Callowick, I mean, it, it, it works for it works for that. But yeah, so I think probably retractions will be a standard feature <laughs> in, this, uh, in this podcast. But one of the first things I want to talk about is that uh, on our website, we have a lot of links to the books that we talk about, uh, and they're Amazon links. And one of the main reasons I do that is, is most of the books that I read are used, and I get a lot of them from Amazon. Like, I've gotten hardcover books for a penny off of Amazon only had to pay shipping and it wasn't like a scam you know shipping was only like two to three dollars but what about you guys you guys ever buy used books a lot of the screenwriting books I got were used you just got to be careful when you're selecting like uh that you don't oh this one's only a cent well it's because it's got highlights in it you know (laughs) or like our notes in the margins but as long as there's no highlights no notes in the margins no 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 uh dog-eared folds then you're good to go but even if you're cool with that I I mean yeah you could be cool with that I'm a weird fan of like Notes in the margins, uh, highlights, and also just like things stuffed into used books that I've yeah. gotten out of thrift stores. I love them for some reason. And there's my, a weird. In, in my experience, they'll they'll advertise that on Amazon. They'll say like, uh, you know, oh, used condition. Um, you know, it it looks used and it's got highlights in the margin. Yeah, sometimes yeah. they'll put pictures of it. Um, they'll do that on eBay as well. But I've had the best uh, success with Amazon. I found sometimes a lot of really you get good hardcovers. Like an original receipt from the book was bought in like the 80s. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> That's pretty I, cool. I honestly yeah. fell in love with with a person who had a um, Slaughterhouse-Five copy for me that I got from college. Because mm-hmm. all the notes in the margins, one, beautifully written. Two, super poignant and makes re- – like makes mm-hmm. – um, there's like almost like footnotes and references to other mm-hmm. things or things that have even used it since then. 
it was just amazing. I was like, oh, this is better than the actual, like an actual blank book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love buying used books. I, oh. I, it doesn't bother me. I, for a while, uh, I entertained the idea of maybe I would buy books new and I would read them all the way through and then I would burn them because it's like that knowledge is mine and nobody <laughs> can take it from me. And the idea of like ritualizing something as simple as reading really appealed to me for a while. But now, it's, uh, you know what? Now I got yeah. a kid. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I want to keep books well, around. Also, you don't want your neighbors thinking, hey, he's a book burner. It's like those books yeah. look brand new and he's <laughs> just burning them. That's another thing he and Hitler have in common. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. Yeah, but my history degree I would not have gotten through without used books on Amazon. Definitely. Because a history professor will like to assign 15 to 20 books a semester. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's ridiculous. That aren't able to be found anywhere else um lit or, guy yeah. so fuck you <laughs> yeah no it, it's it terrible to like 26 books a semester we just say nothing of used college books like oh yeah. used used no, textbooks no, i would rather read your lit books than the facing east from indian country twaddle that we were forced to read in a week and then write fifteen thousand word essay on <laughs> every you, week you used know? textbooks are the one uh, exception where I would like the notes in the side. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and the exactly, highlights. And... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, when I got my first textbook, that was a like a PDF file that I could search. That mm. was amazing. Because then I'm on a test, I'm just like, PDF search this. Oh, there it is. Well, also, um, we, we, we also are probably going to link to uh, films or other, or other things yeah. that we talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, which also can be bought used on Amazon. We highly recommend it. Um, and if you do buy something from Amazon uh, through the link on our website, it does go to help us, but we, we don't really get any money like, yeah. from it. Any money that we do get was just going to go towards hard drives for storing uh, backups of this episode. So And microphones and yeah, pizza. It, and if we and, get any more and in the case of used books, it's a fraction of a penny anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's true. It's true. Well, as for bringing uh, things up to, to link to on the podcast, what are you guys currently uh, reading and watching? Liam? Uh... About, um, I think, eight episodes of Jessica Jones now. Mm -hmm. Really, really enjoying it. Um, I just finished the sixth episode. It's very good. It's hitting hard. Um, and it works in a, in a very different way than Daredevil, which I like. And it feels like a more fleshed out world. The villain is way scarier. And yeah. the, um, <laughs> the, but one of the weird things is where like, Luke Cage is stealing the show for me in a lot of ways. Yeah, is he going to get his own series? Uh, he better, because I fucking love him. I thought that was part of the original buy, uh, was that yeah. they, they would get a Luke Cage show. We're like, I, I like the the, comple uh, the complexity and, and the grittiness mm -hmm. of Jessica Jones, but I also like the single-mindedness of Luke Cage is very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, why are you doing this? I keep my word. Oh, uh, why, why don't you do this all the time? I don't get involved in people's business. It's mm -hmm. like, why are you getting involved this time? Someone asked me to get involved in their business. Like, that's his whole yeah. character summed up in... In three sentences, and he sticks to it, and I really that appeals to me in in a heroic character. The more the more okay. Kilgrave, the the bad guy, gets involved, the better the show gets yes. because it's David Tennant playing him, and he's fantastic, and the character is legit mean and scary. Like oh, he's, mean, he's, he's, mean, he's mean and scary and complex. Exactly, he's, he's not fucking Darth Vader. He's, he's the not, best character in the yeah. show. Oh do you, yeah. Do you think that harkens back to your film noir? Oh, to totally. Yeah, totally hard. I watched something the other day, and I felt kind of ashamed that we didn't bring it up for film more. Um, that Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, a film more. I, I never, I never it. thought of it that way. You could, yeah. It yeah. hits, it hits a lot of the same notes. He falls into a shadowy underworld of like games and yeah. things that That's are going true. on that he. There's wouldn't. a, there's a femme yeah. fatale. Yeah, it all works out. Uh, what about you, Doug? 
Uh, I too have started watching Jessica Jones. I finished the Forever War. That uh, that book. Let's talk about that because yeah. now I think I think you and I have read it. Yeah. Max, have you read it? I've read parts of it. I didn't finish it because I need to get into it. Okay. That, I I can definitely say it's, on my list. it's um yeah. it's a book that it gets better as you read it. Not that it starts bad. Yeah. But it's just like you're like oh this is interesting and then you're like oh this is more interesting. Yeah. Well, this just keeps getting more interesting. That was exactly until, my experience. Yeah, until the very end, I'm like, oh, wasn't that nice? That's a good book. You don't realize it, but it sets itself up. We don't realize it when you're reading it, but it sets itself up for a great ending that's a little button on it, and you're like, oh. It's all, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's You could just see it. It's It folds complete. back on itself in a good way, not, yeah. a, not a cheesy It might way. say something terrible about me, but I, I know it is. it was written as the opposite of Starship Troopers Timeline. It doesn't feel like that. It, I, yeah, I, I like, I it loved, feels like a companion. I yeah. like Starship Trooper so much and the world that they lived in. I was like, I don't know if I want the opposite. This is it's not the opposite at all. Okay. It's more like what if Starship Troopers had a plot and the technology changed after every deployment. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's 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 really yeah. what it is. And Starship I, Troopers I, had a plot. I guess the problem is that I'm Well, it's 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 much more of a plot. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, definitely. Well, Starship I, Troopers was more about explaining to you the world and then putting the, the character in new situations yeah. to better explain and how the current world works. Which we'll get back to in world building. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I just I guess I've read too many things that ended on a down note or were just kind of like, oh, and that's the end. You know, it didn't really, yeah. like, this actually had a very strong ending as very opposed cool. to, like, Solaris. Yeah. And I read Solaris. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, God. okay, that's, okay, now that, 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 that book's done. <laughs> even, even Starship Troopers, I was glad at the end. Yeah. But, but it doesn't have, like, an ending. Yeah. Right. It's just right. kind of like, so that's the world I live in. And that's <laughs> where I am now. <laughs> Shines the name of Roger Young. I, I, like, I do want to talk about the, the concept of, like, um, people have been talking, especially about these critically acclaimed series, and they say they're like, oh, this is you know this is the golden age of TV, and I definitely agree because there's a, a lot of stuff to to see. But it seems like they're retelling the same dour story ever again. It's the rise and fall, generally, of a man from um, mediocrity to greatness to just shit, mm-hmm. and that's the story we really want to hear. And I'm getting a little tired of it. Well, once once Breaking Bad did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing is, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, but well, Sopranos, you need to move on. Sopranos did it. Yeah. Um, the Wire is more complex, but again, it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's they confuse great with gritty and dark, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you can make a happy thing really good. And there's a lot of there's a lot of Breaking Bad that isn't gritty. Yeah. You know, they they, they do. I mean, I will but say, but that's, that's the thing that everyone brings yeah, up right. is like the f- the fucking shit. Have moment. you guys seen mm-hmm. the British version of House of Cards? Yes. Oh, I love it. I haven't seen I American can't House of Cards, but I stand it. I love it so I much. I hate it. I love parliamentary, like the shadow minister. I love no, no, the thing is, about it's it. It's interesting, but it's idiosyncrasies and the fact that I don't know them as well as, as the yeah. uh, the American system. I have to take a break you know what? and then look yeah. shit up and be like, okay, how does the government work again? No, it's <laughs> funny you say that. Because <laughs> like, like, it's really overly complex for no discernible reason. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure our government seems that way to them. Yeah. yeah. But the reason I won't watch the American one is because that is real and that is happening. So watching the British <laughs> one gives me an ocean of like, oh, they're screwing up their government. They're, they're but talking, I don't care because that's nothing to do with me. They're well, speaking in accents that are used in fantasy settings. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is. No, it's like a Lord of the Rings over there because like, oh, they're parliament. They're crazy. But American, they're like, oh yeah, and we stole $10 billion to do this. I'm like, yeah, they really do that and I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. What about you, Max? What are you reading? Right I'm now? excited to talk about what I watched because it led into what I'm reading this week. Let's hear it. Uh, the documentary Chaos on the Bridge. Have you guys seen it? Nope. I started watching it that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So good. It's, it's about them trying to make the next, next generation. Next generation. Yeah. And Star, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, it is helmed by Captain Kirk himself. 
and he is gloating through the whole thing <laughs> because he's so happy about the chaos going on. To well, because it's going to make a yeah. good story for the documentary. For but one. he no, he just seems like because they they touch on a point where like, oh, were you sad that they didn't ask you to be in the new Star Trek? And he's kind of like, yeah, you know, it should have been should have been Kirk and everything. And I didn't know the story. I didn't pick up Star Trek until way late in life, so I didn't know the whole story of like Tasha Yar, like her being forced out because they wouldn't. Yeah. She asked at one point, she's like, can you just make a model of my legs because you don't put me in anything? Yeah. And, <laughs> wow. Yeah, Roddenberry and everything was just her, her death was so upsetting. But they got, Oh, and sudden and unnecessary? Exactly. Yes. I won't, don't want to ruin it. I wish I could just tell you this one point, but it was amazing to where, like, the people who were making it just got so tired of the cast. They're like, okay, we'll just kill them and we'll do something else. <laughs> but they got to um, Patrick which, Stewart. Which also, time out, the cast is stellar. Oh yeah. oh yeah, and they couldn't have asked for a better one, and they just I mean, misused them. Lavar yeah. Burton, Patrick Stewart, yeah. uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes—like oh, they're, they're all oh. fantastic. But apparently, okay. yeah. uh, uh, Worf, um, uh, Michael Dorn, Michael, Michael Dorn, Dorn. Dorn. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, they're oh. so great. I want Captain Worf so bad, mm-hmm. and the new series they're going to do for Hulu is not going to be Captain Worf, and I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing though, like the Rogues of Moog we were talking about, like just Klingon, Klingon like, as hell? Well, no, but the whole thing is the idea would be. Well, let's, let's talk about the yeah. documentary. Yeah, back to the documentary. So they get Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart's on with Shatner, and he's like, so I went to Roddenberry. You know, he's like, tell me everything about my character. I want to know every little thing. And Roddenberry goes, no. And he's like, what? And he hands him a stack of books, Horatio Hornblower. And he's like, your character's in here. And Patrick Stewart was so happy that he had free reign to do his character from these books. And I started reading the... Horatio Hornblower is great. Horatio Hornblower. And... I'm just reading it as Picard, and it's so good because it is Picard, <laughs> oh, that and I great. love it's, every minute I haven't read it. any of it. It's the fictionalized um, life of Admiral Nelson, who is oh. is, is the national hero of Britain. Yeah. He just won a bunch of naval battles when they went into him. Mm-hmm. You were They were not supposed to win, and he just kept killing people and losing bits of himself and just yeah. kept fighting. Well, that's on the list. But it is, yeah. no, what's, it's what's, so, what's the first book in the series? At, um, beat, the, beat the Quarters. Beat to Quarters? Beat to Quarters is the first one. But it is... I've read Patrick O'Brien, The Master and Commander, mm-hmm. and that is so amazing, but it's so thick with nautical yeah. terminology that yeah, you can't really you get into glossary. it. But uh, Forrester, his first book, Beat to Quarters, it's not the first chronologically, but it's the first one he wrote, and it's really accessible for nautical terminology to get into. Awesome. And just read it as Picard, and I, I love it so much. Um, I stayed up way later last night than I should have because I had to work <laughs> this morning, but... Well, as for me, I'm reading The Man in the High Castle um, because uh, Doug, I know, started the Amazon uh, Prime series based on the book. And um, I'm really enjoying the book. It's it's really interesting to hear. Uh, I, I thought it would be standard, I don't know, Philip K. Dick fair, you know. <laughs> but a little cerebral, a little light on character. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very heavy on character. Um, one of the main characters is a Japanese official who is in control of the Pacific uh, side of the... Uh, well, he's, he's, he's in charge of San Francisco, I believe. And his, uh, and his perspective is dealing with Nazis. They weren't really aware, at least in the book, they're not really aware of, of the hatred of the Jews and the, the, the prison camps and the gassing and all that until after the war. So when this starts up on the German side of America... It makes them all pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> it's and uh, and now that now there's like a big uh, at least where I'm in the book there's a I, I don't want to spoil anything mm-hmm. but there's but there's a contest for who nobody's really sure who's going to be the next Fuhrer and it's very interesting to see where where that's going to go because now you have main characters who are American who are, are very integrated with Japanese culture and understanding of the German culture 
and uh, dealing with uh, the Japanese who were kind of sympathizing with the Americans who were like who are you know Jewish and trying to hide it. It's really interesting. If you're interested in that kind of thing, Harry Turtledove also has another book called In the Presence <laughs> of Mine Enemies, <laughs> which is about a Germany that won the war. In the presence of mine enemies? Yes, it's quite quite oh, good. Uh, that sounds like the, one of the next things I'll pick up. Yeah, I'll loan it to you. Okay, awesome. Next week, I'll just be like, so based on uh, all this man in the high castle and in the presence of mine enemies, I started reading Mein Kampf. Yeah. <laughs> so we're four guys who all have very similar interests, but we're pretty different. Um, and I think we're probably considerably different when it comes to our process when writing. Yeah, yes. Uh, I want to talk about that as far as like a... How do you guys do the different steps? Like, uh, for instance, conceptualizing. Like, where do you guys get your ideas? Generally what I do is, again, a lot of the stuff I write is creative nonfiction. So I pick the thing that uh, happened in my life that pissed me off the most. Mm -hmm. And then I just go with it. But I don't tether it to reality after I start going. I start with a mindset or, or an emotional core or a memory. And then I just start going. And I don't outline it all. I just make characters, make a situation, and then when it's over, it's over. Um, now, so, so you start from a place of a bad memory, or um, or, 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 a, in, or a good memory, or a good memory, and then could, and then you fictionalize yeah, that. Yeah, or and and it it could be as simple as like the first baseball game I went to with my dad, where he taught me how to keep score. What does keeping score mean? How has that affected my life? What is that metaphor? Mm -hmm. How could that build into something more? Um, but I don't really worry about the ending. Or where it's going, because after you you build enough of an engine, it'll go on its own, and then that's the easy part. The hard part is is getting stuff down on paper enough to get there, to the point where it, where it's flowing on its own. That's when I'm doing creative nonfiction. Um, when I'm doing something more structured or doing something that's an allegory, a lot of it is historical research. You build an outline based on, uh, and again, I like to use a, a framework that does exist, and. Um, <clears throat> Historical research is, is really the best kind. You're like, oh, I want to do a thing about political upheaval. Well, let's go with the October Revolution or, or the IRA struggle against England. And then you'll take that and that'll be your base template for, for how you build your, your fantasy or your sci-fi setting. Okay, so, so you basically, pretty much everything you take is based on real events, either yeah. historical well, or within your own life. Well, I mean, in general. But I've, but I've always followed the thing is like, write what you know, and if you don't know it, learn about it. Okay. And it doesn't mean write what you know, only do creative nonfiction. I mean, that's what I took it for way, way too long. But it doesn't matter. Just write what you're comfortable with. For me, uh, it, it changes based on project to project. But whenever it's an idea that, that I'm working on by myself, it usually starts with an image that I'll get in my head. Like, it's probably a mixture of everything that I've been taking in, movies, TV, or books that I've been reading, and something will just jostle loose, and I won't have any context for it. It'll be like... Oh, you know it'd be a really cool action scene? This. Or you know it would be a really cool tense moment between two people? That. And I'd have no I I don't know what happens before or after. And then if that image sticks with me long enough, I'll be like, why does that happen? And then I'll start like a puzzle, like working backwards or forwards from there. That's how like some of some of the movies uh that, that we wrote with you know start with like just a funny situation and then oh, what would be the next funny thing that happens? And what would be the next funny thing? And then before you know it, it's like a whole fleshed out thing. Or in many cases, if it's like a huge climactic moment, I'd be like, that sounds like the end of a movie or a story. Let me, how do you get to that point? And uh, the hardest part for me is not just 
the, the puzzle of the plot of that, but the character choice, because there's a lot of times I'll write something or think of something and say, all right, then uh, he goes from A to B like this, but something about that rings false to me. And I'm like, why doesn't that sound right? Like logically that gets you A to B, but why, why does that not feel right? And then the hard part is asking myself the hard questions. Maybe it's because morally this character is doing something that I don't agree with, but if that makes sense with the plot, then it's like, okay, is that is it something that I gotta work out my inner demons, or is that like part of the character thing? And differentiating between the two things that's that's the hardest part for me. But once I break through that idea of like, okay, why does this character have this problem? Is this something that I had in my life? Like you start with the problem in your life and you oh, go yeah. from there. I'm the opposite way where I have to dig, dig, dig until it's so deep. I'm like, oh, it's me. <laughs> then, then, yeah. then I then I figure it out, and that's when my uh uh uh, uh psychologist Bill. Uh, I was gonna say to, mine's a standard you know, for therapy. Yeah, the, my my therapy. Yours is a reason why you're gonna have to have therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the, kind of backwards, but that's that's the uh, solving that problem makes me solve my own problems. I guess you could say so. Max, um, like Liam, I have creative uh, fiction. My short stories are definitely personal driven. Something that's happened to me or something that's happened to someone that I know that I write down. I don't storyboard those at all. I just sit down in mm -hmm. one take and I write everything and then I'm done with it. When I get to fiction, my fantasy that I write, I can't do anything without a map. I have to map out the world first. Or if I have a saying, I write down, I write a lot of songs for my stuff and all that I get written down. Then I leave it in my computer for about six years. <laughs> and, and then Let I sit down. Yeah, and then I sit down and I start writing and that's really what I, a lot of my stories just sit I leave them sit for a couple of years and then I come back to them and I have a better idea of that and I just write them out. But I think world building is definitely something I can't start a fantasy story without having the world created. So you, you, you won't even you won't even think about the idea before you think of the world? No, I, I, I'll have an idea of what I want, but I, I really have to draw the map or at least a map or something mm -hmm. or... Or I'll create governments and that kind of thing. So or timeline or any anything mm -hmm. as a yeah. I need to flesh out. I can sit down. I don't really like writing dialogue too much. So like that is usually the last part for me is sitting down. I like creating the world and then putting the story into the world. As for me, what I do is um, I'll usually come up with the idea of a twist first. So like oh this thing, but what if this small thing was different? And then I'll think of a scene, like how I'll start to branch out of like how different that would be. And then I'll think of an interesting or exciting scene that would happen. And uh, that's where I'll get, that's where the idea becomes like an actual idea, like a setting for a story with characters, because those characters need to exist in that scene. And then I will, um, I'll go back and, and try to, try to build it from there to, to get to that scene and try to decide where that scene is in the story and, uh, and what the main conflict is. So I mean, as far as conceptualizing, I just conceptualize everything and put it down in a. Uh, I have a commonplace book on my Google Drive hmm. where I put a, a simple idea of a simple version of every idea I've got. Are you a typer or a handwriter? I type. 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 Liam? Type. I Not used type. to handwrite, but then I kept losing my pen and my book, so then I just started typing it on my phone. I am. I, I'm also. Al I'm also left-handed, so oh. I, I don't know. Am I the only left-handed person here? Yeah. I okay, so handwriting. Handwriting. I. I. I basically. Erase it as I write it with my hand. Uh, I am completely handwritten. It's got to be handwritten. Really? Yeah. For editing, that becomes a fucking nightmare. I, I do. I do like handwriting. Um, 
I think it, it, in, in the idea because the because yeah. it, it is a much better brain um, like it's yeah. it's a better creative creative connection between your body and your and your mind when you start handwriting. It's much easier to go off script, you know, like to, to not pre compose something. I feel like I like because when I handwrite something, and then when I go to type it in the computer, that's a whole other editing editing process yeah. that I get into. I'm like, oh, that doesn't really work, and I can go and I can you know get spell correct and everything and. Well, we uh, talked. We, we mentioned yeah. outlining. Why, yeah. why don't we talk about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, who here outlines? I, I definitely. Yeah, I, 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 I do, do as well. I do for larger projects. Yes, okay, definitely. I do the bare minimum of like this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. Let's talk about it. What? Um, um, so so for so you say for larger projects? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that? What does that look like for you? Uh, for me, it's it's generally a things that need to happen to continue the plot along. So it's it's you know yeah. A through F mm-hmm. need to happen, but I definitely like to leave large chunks. Oh, for development character, mm-hmm. you're like okay, this fight needs to happen or this thing needs to happen, and occasionally you're aware that a a, a third party or something that you're not aware of needs to intercede, and you need to know when that happens and why it would be important. So do you like to discover a lot of that as you write? But I, yeah, I like to leave a lot of lot of wiggle room, mm-hmm. and it's it's also also fun, and it's happened a couple times where you get to to your midway point and you realize like I have a better ending now, mm-hmm. because the 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 characters, the setting, mm-hmm. everything I've worked through is like oh I've like so you write, I've discovered you write, a new thing. So you're outline you outline and then you write straight through and then discover new things as you go. Um, generally no, because I. I always start with the idea in the center of it. Mm-hmm. We're like, this, again, a cool thing needs mm-hmm. to happen. This is a situation I want, or this is a twist on a thing. You build backwards and forwards almost at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I generally write then is the beginning and then the end. Hmm. Interesting. What about, what about you, Doug? It completely depends on the project. Like, if it was, um, uh, like, I shared a... a that one chapter of a narrative project I was working on a couple weeks back. Yeah. That outline was completely different from outlining a screenplay versus outlining a, a, a game that we're going to play for, you know, as a dungeon master or anything. Like, it's it's 100% different. Even even between, like, movie screenplays that I'd want to work on, each project among that has a different outline to it. Mm-hmm. But my general process is I'll start with, like, a blank Google Doc and just start typing, okay, I know I want to have this scene. I know I want to have this scene. Maybe Maybe it's just, like, six bullet points. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to connect those dots. Like, how yeah. do I get from there to there? And then I just have the sub-bullet points going. And I just literally keep adding and adding and adding to the dock until I feel like that feels like it's long enough. Then it's like, okay, which of this is unnecessary? Which of this, you know, is definite that I want to keep? Which of these are the major plot points? Then I'll take other, like, things like Joseph Campbell or Blake Snyder. Mm-hmm. Not like that they're, they're like, the Bible or anything like that, but just, like, I co- I'll compare it and be like, okay, based on these two 15, 12, you know, beats... Uh, does it feel like there's some kind of arc? Like the, the, I consider those more of like a meat grinder that you have to put like the story through, where it's like, okay, this just guarantees that you have something. And if I feel like I have something, then it's okay. Let's get back to adding detail now. This is one scene. Here's a bullet point for another scene, and then so on and so on and so on until it literally you just have a document that's like so freaking long. I can almost copy that, paste that into a screenwriting software, and then just start adding dialogue. And then of course, you know, put it in the right format and everything. But it's for me the outlining. To, to me, there's no diff. There's it bleeds over from outline to regular writing. It's like uh, there's no. I don't switch modes where I'm like, okay, now I'm regular writing. It's just like a continuation. Well, I just want to say, like, especially from Doug, man, do I kind of want more pros from you too, though? 
especially reading um, the the project you're talking about. I I I loved it. It was funny. The beats were like. I appreciate that because I outlined the fuck out of that. Like, they, I was, like, it was, it was, maybe it, that's what like, it, it's, it's, it's like a page and a half, and I like outlined it. The outline itself was about a page and a half. So the, it's, the, it's the which, which project? Are you um, it's it's it a, was a cha- it was chapter three from the uh, Weekend, Weekend at Bernie's, Bernie's three. Oh, and okay. it, but the whole thing is it was, it was a nerdy, it nerdy show project that that I just had to write one chapter two. of, and I was so used to like I said before, I'm not used to writing prose, so I'm just like I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm gonna outline it as as crazy as humanly possible and Liam feels like it paid off it so I'm, I'm happy <laughs> so, okay, good, good, it good. worked the beats were funny and and I like he was like oh I'm really uncomfortable with prose I'm like doesn't read well, like it be careful what you wish for because you're going to be getting a ton of prose <laughs> yeah. from, from this side of the table <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not going to be okay with that <laughs> this side of the table is me and Max uh, yeah. what about you Max um, I do outline just basic thoughts because like I said I do leave things to sit for six or seven years mm-hmm. So if I don't want to forget things that I want to put in there, like if I have a song that's going to fit somewhere, I want to put that song. I'm like, okay, song here. And then I have a folder called Skeletons, and that's where the outline goes. And then I feel like everything else is like putting on to the skeleton. So I have a trash pile. Yeah. Trash pile? Okay. I See, I, I don't have yeah. a skeleton or trash pile. I just have like a folder, mm-hmm. and it'll be like the project folder, and then separate documents in that folder. One will be the outline, and the other one will be like this character – or this character, oh, okay. or this character, yeah. and then when it's time to put it all in one, I'll copy and paste from each thing. But it, but when you say when you're like, oh yeah, I'll have something in there from like six years ago. So many times I go back to an old outline from like six years ago, and I go, oh, I don't relate to this project anymore because I'm a different person now, and I don't share oh. those same views of that of that thing at all. I think that's different for fantasy because it's still the same. For my outline, it like it doesn't move to the story file until it's out of skeleton. Form if it's just an outline with a couple things, it's not a story. Mm-hmm. It's a skeleton, and I'll go from there. But yeah, I, there's a lot of points I want to get down in my outline. But so I, is all I, this still handwritten? Yeah, I leave. Well, once I type it up, it gets moved in the skeleton file. But like, I write in chunks. I do. I'll write this part, and then I'll have like three lines, and then the character will do this, and then I'll cut to like a year later in my story. But just writing the parts I want to write until I get mm-hmm. everything together. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a lot of the handwritten gets down. I have notebooks and papers and yeah. like Liam and I were creating a tabletop game and I, Fuck, I love it. drew <laughs> six giant maps of our world because I love drawing and, maps. And four different religions and yeah. yeah no. Well, um, as for me, mm-hmm. what I do is <clears throat> for out, I, I outline everything to the mm-hmm. smallest detail and I, I'll take it, I'll create, a, basically create a new Google Doc and I'll just create a bullet point list and I'll just add things to it and keep adding things to it. And what I like about doing it in digital form is that I can put things between other things and they just get added to it. And um, I basically just add things to it until I feel like it represents the whole story. And then I'll make sub-bullet points hmm. and, and do that. And then I'll add even more into the sub-bullet so points. So what are your, like, your bullet points? What, would you, well, what any, would you write down as your bullet points? Any specific thought I have. That that, that, I, that I want it. That even if I, if I, even if I don't want it, mm-hmm. um, I'll write it down because it'll represent the fact that I had that thought about it. Uh, and I can, if I want to keep it to remember that I had that thought, but it's not exactly what I want, I'll put it there and I'll make it strike through so that I can still read uh, it. Yeah. But I know it's not exactly. Yeah, what I want. Yeah, when I put it on a computer, I do that in like red. If mm-hmm. it's a thought, not so much writing. But like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do all that and then yeah. I'll keep going and keep going and keep filling in until it has like the most most detail. Uh, and then I'll look at everything as a giant list and go, okay, 
which of these bullet points can work together to accomplish one goal in a scene Oof. or a chapter? And I'll group them up by chapters or scenes. So far. Yeah, that me. blows my mind That's because I could so never do that. Oh, I see, to... now, see, I feel like between you and me, there's been a lot of crossover yeah, yeah, because yeah, we definitely. were collaborating on a lot of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. it's like I've taken I don't use I don't use that exact same thing, but like it totally has influenced the way I started outlining. Oh yeah. It, well, so well, I mean, I guess I, I get super anal about outlining. I mean, yeah. Doug, Doug seen me do it, yeah. and and but I feel like I feel like I needed that for my stuff too. So it's yeah. helped. It's actually yeah. helped me. And what I'll do, what I'll do after that is that once I have the chapters nailed down of everything, chapters or scenes of every note I want to hit in those, not not how it's going to be written or anything like that. Mm -hmm. That'll discover on the page. Just, this needs to happen, and this needs to happen. Yeah, and exactly. Song. And the audience needs to be made aware of this thing, yeah. no matter how I accomplish it. Once I once I get those locked down, I will create a new document for each individual scene or chapter, and paste those into it, and then start typing above those notes mm -hmm. and just. Uh, Cross them out as I go down in that in that individual document. That is the most foreign thing I've ever heard. In my <laughs> I would love if we could if we could each post an example of how we do our things. How we oh, do it without time it would, lapse. It would be dis like, no. I just mean like an image. If we each mine would be one of disgusting. our outlines, one of your outlines, one of us. Well, I think that you guys are going to get a good example. You're going to see my my outlines here posted now. So yeah, it's yeah. like it's like <laughs> yeah. So so on the website, you guys can download any of the documents that 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 we have submitted to each other for, for critique or just information as we move forward on, on each of our projects. Yeah. You, um, if you want to see an animated version, you just take take last week's outline that I did, this week, and then next week and so on, and just do a flip book. Print them out, <laughs> do a flip book. That's, I, I literally took the, I didn't make a new document, I took the exact same document and just added. Yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's, 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 same on mine. You guys are going to see my process yeah. in real time. That's so you will never, like, you couldn't yeah. possibly see mine. Uh, but I do want to say, like, if, if uh, any of the listeners have any comments or, like, Feel free to email us. We have a contact page. Yeah, badstorytellers yeah. at gmail.com. Also, you can leave comments on individual episodes you on can. the website. I do want to talk about world building a little bit um, because that's the, the kind of document I submitted is my world building notes for the novel that I'm, that I'm trying to write. Um, and Max has brought it up a few times. And uh, as far as world building goes, um, I guess it, it depends on the kind of story that you want to write, whether or not you need to do world building. <laughs> But generally, uh, even just the idea of creating a, a character and relationships between the characters is a kind of world building as well. So um, let, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, I I'm actually especially if you're if you're doing something that's drastically different from the world around you, you do need to establish rules. Um, but I do have a um, a thing where like I, I worked with uh, two or three people. We were trying to make a comic book, and and occasionally I try to do um, movie projects with with Malachi, and they set rules. And then when it, they become inconvenient, they they don't allow themselves to give it up, and that bothers me a lot. Where like um, they they lose sight of the sometimes you lose sight of the story in world building, and you make these rules, and you like you feel like they become laws of physics in your mm -hmm. news, and you forget that you're God. And I, I almost think that's something you need to be aware of. Like you can change any of your rules at any time in world building, and that's a that's a strong. Um, it's true. Skill to learn. It, it's true. I think. I think it's important to state that this means before you write it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yeah. because I mean we're all nerds here. We all get incredibly frustrated Not in the middle when of somebody it. when somebody changes the rules in the middle of a story and yeah, just no, like you know no, what no, no, uh, no. this is what I'm I want to write though. I'm not saying doing that, but yeah. like you're again you're doing an outline and then you're like oh we well this needs to happen and you're like that's against the rules. I'm like if we change this rule, could we? placate that through the rest of the the, yeah. the previous things we've written. You're like, then do that if it's on the service of the story. Oh yeah. How much how much world building do you guys <clears throat> typically do? The most. Depends. 
uh, again, almost uh, none. Because, well, because I think I think uh, Liam, most of your stories take place in reality, at least oh, the, the yeah. world that we live in. Um, short stories, the, again, longer things are almost always superhero fantasy, science mm-hmm. fiction, um, and those require large things. Science fiction, I almost and fantasy, I almost uh, disregard though, because a lot of times it's like magic or science, and if you do it well enough, no one will notice. That it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a lot more difficult difficult when you're doing alternative history or something that is slightly different because it has to make more sense the more realistic it is. Mm-hmm. Right. The audience needs more information yeah. than the person living yeah. there, and that is so hard to get into. How to explain? Oh, here's this change without saying without the first chapter <laughs> yeah. being well. This changed, so then this happened, so then this happened. They live in a valley. Yeah. How do you that's, work that into a story? Yeah, yeah. They live in a valley where winter just doesn't happen. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. And you can't just have the first chapter being, well, the winner only works like this, yeah. because, unless you can do a narrator, which is hard to do. Like, I still don't know how winners work in um, Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or Song of Ice and Fire. Totally fine with it. Yeah. Because they just mention it well, you also, slowly. I think it's, and it's you believe fine. that the you believe that the author knows how they work. Yeah. That's more and important. And that's totally and which I'm totally fine with it. I don't think he does. I don't <laughs> the whole thing is I don't know how it works, but the way that it's presented makes me fine with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is magic. Well, I know that uh, I think the most world building that, that you and I have done together, uh, Doug, was on our first screenplay we wrote was an adaptation of a popular video game. And uh, <coughs> and to make it work, it took it took a lot of world building to even make, make it make logical sense in the, in the format of a screenplay. Yeah, it was, well, because we wanted it to make sense. Like most video game films are are pretty awful and they're not accurate. We want we basically we're like okay, the easiest thing to do would be to make this video game is so simple, it doesn't have a story. Let's just make it one big action scene and that's Act Three, and then we literally build the rest of it to make it make sense. Well, so I again, I really I don't know. World building is not fun for me. Oh, like it's. Uh, I disagree I, as well. I no, you disagree or agree? I love oh, I world totally building. Oh, it's, I don't hate fun, it. I don't yeah. hate it. I just feel like I don't think about it because for me, it's like okay, I have that one image, or I have that one situation, or I have this one character. Yeah. I don't need world building until I say, "What's his day job?" Or you know, "What's like?" I run into a problem I don't have an answer for. Oh, maybe it's time to do a little bit more world building. So it's like a constant thing as I go. I don't sit there, do world building, then write the story. I think it's it, like I, you, I, you, you, know, yeah. you come to a new question and then you and then you yeah. find the answer then. It kills yeah. me when they don't do it. Like the entire run of friends. How those people afforded those apartments with no oh. jobs. I actually do a lot of world building. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I used to have a two mile walk to work every day. And in my walk to work I named all the different things on my way to work and then created a world out of them. So if like the trees were hanging over and it created a shadow area, then that became like a part of my world. And there was a small bridge that I had to cross and that became a different town and everything. And I think world building is one of my favorite things to do, whether for a story I'm doing or just something fun to do. Does the story you should write um, typically involve a lot of world building? Um, If it's a short story, that's my personal experience. No, I just sit down and write that. But if it's a fantasy or sci-fi that I'm doing, I think it's very heavy world building. I love creating the world. And for me, the story, I know it's bad, but the story is almost an excuse for me to be in the world in the first place to create it. Mm-hmm. And I think that can go wrong a lot of times, but I try not to make it go wrong. Well, as for me, I, I yeah. take a swan dive into world building, uh, if almost anything fictional. Yes. Um, we... we I think uh, Doug and I wrote a script about vampires, um, a comedy movie, and we uh, we 
did so much world building we had to right. get rid of 90% of it. And that's the thing. For you, that, that may have been fun to explore, but for me, that was problem solving. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, okay, the vampires have to work. What would kill them? What doesn't kill them? And you're like, wouldn't it be interesting if back then, like, I, I don't care about where they came from. I just want to know how do they work now. And it was, but, but. It's like, what if vampires were, this is not in the script, by the way. Yes. <laughs> what if, what if vampirism was just the bite was a, was a, was a conduit for an evil spirit to enter you. <laughs> right, <laughs> just, right. And, and we, like, we talked what, about that. What would that mean? And, 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 and you, you, were, you were talking all about that, and then they'd be like, but do they catch on fire in sunlight? You know, like that like mm-hmm. that was my ultimate end goal. But like between the two of us, I think it, it ended up getting the best possible answers of that. But, but pretty but that much was... pretty much everything, I, I, I try to take a, a running jump at world building oh, yeah. almost all the time and then, and then throw away most of it. But, uh, but like I've, I've, for every, sh- every short story, every short film, every... Um, Every piece of fiction I've ever written, I've I've spent a ton of time on world building. That brings me, brings me to my next question mm-hmm. for you guys: um, How much time? How much time do you think you should spend? You should dedicate to world building uh, before you 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 think you it's appropriate to just abandon it. Um, it depends. If you're writing low fantasy, please spend a lot of time world building. Just be like, don't be like, oh, this is medieval England, and this is you know. Medieval England, and this does this. But I don't want it to be actually medieval. I want it to be that weird fantasy medieval where, like, steam works and everything. I think if you're just writing that, then you need to actually put a lot of thought in your world to even say why you have a world. Right. Now, uh, it's interesting because I I think there's there's a lot of films that, that... are very very good that I or books that I've read that are very very good. The story is fantastic, mm-hmm. and afterwards, if I've liked the story, I won't care that there are inconsistencies with the world building. Like Terminator, exactly. Oh, Terminator, baby, that, that's the, a good the one. The poster child of that. Well, there's more. There's there's more than that too. But like, if I've liked if I've liked the yeah. film, I don't care about paradoxes or, or world building. Mad Max, most certainly. Sure, there are problems with, especially Fury Road, where there's no water anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, or no trees. Or well, gas. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> gas has to be used within, like, three months of being refined, or it disappears. So, so yeah. for, for example, those things. But if, if it's good, <laughs> if, you, if, if it works far enough for the story, you don't care. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, have, you can have fun, nerdy arguments about it, but it won't matter towards your enjoyment of the film. Not at all. Or the, or the book. <clears throat> but is that character driven or is that world building do you think most often that's a, a mixture of the both um, you, you're allowing yourself to forgive the world for being more open or to go for a genre specific thing because it works in the story and the because the characters don't seem to notice it you don't notice it now I once read on the writing, uh, the writing subreddit of reddit that um, somebody asked the question which do you think is more important plot or character moments and I don't know about you guys, but I think they're the same thing. No, I was about to say, it's like, don't you mean the character moving through it is the plot? Like, isn't that like the character changing is the plot of your movie or story or whatever? Like, don't get me wrong, events outside of your character are also plot, but but every every time your character changes or perceives the thing that that just happened, it's a plot moment. Yeah. So, so if you can make world building work towards that, you're not really wasting your time. True. Yeah. Uh, well, but you can start spinning your tires, and then you just you delay yourself from actually writing. And for me, that's one of the hardest things to do. I know I say like, oh, I don't really, I don't really like doing the world building or whatever. It's like, I, I, again, I don't dislike it. It's just to me, it's just part of the process. But I don't like say, I don't enjoy dreaming up the other corporations and stuff because I think for my approach is that most of the stuff I'm interested in writing is fairly close to reality. So I just 
picture it like reality than take a step away from reality. And then if I need something else, I'll take another step away from reality until finally it's a sci-fi fantasy with flying cars. And then it's like, but for me, I can logically trace a path that gets it back to reality. Can I ask you a question? What did you grow up playing with? Like action figures, you mean? Yeah. Um, Star Wars action figures, G.I. Okay. Joe's, how, but, Army um, Man. Like, you had that, but how? What do you mean, what do you mean like how? How did you play with them? Did you play the movie? Or did you? No, I made up stuff. You made up, so your own world. I think yeah, that I had too. so much of that. And, like, being little, playing with friends. Like, the only thing X-Men we knew of was the cartoon. So we made up the entire X-Men mythos because we didn't care about comics, and I, I still don't. I did, but, I did similar yeah, stuff, yeah. I think a lot of my world building comes from creating games and playing with toys in the sand and creating our own world. I, I definitely can, can... I definitely had similar experience to that, but it's... Mm-hmm. For me, knowing when to stop and start writing is always really difficult because I'm like, eh, it's not quite ready yet. You just I like having that discipline to say, you know what, fuck it, just move forward, and then when you hit a speed bump, then go back and fix it because that's that takes a lot of discipline. See, I don't know about you guys, but I have this problem where I'll do a ton of world building and then I start writing and I'll come to a problem that I hadn't even thought of. Oh, totally, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I have to then I have to go all the way back. And, is that and, a problem or is that awesome because you get to do more world building? <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's a problem. I for, me, it. for me, it's a problem. It's a okay. headache because it's like yeah. especially. Especially when you're like really in the zone, because then I get you know, to go back you've to six, six chapters of a novel you want to write, and then, you, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, none of this works if this is the case." Speed bump, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the speed bump; it's a start over moment. Yeah, <laughs> it's a road closed. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, no, that's different. If it's just like a speed bump, like, how do I figure this out? I'm like, yes. So I think it's time for us to move on to the critique portion yes. of the podcast, where we talk about the works that we've submitted and want and want uh, criticism on. Who's first? I I'll think it's first. you. God oh, damn man. it! All right. Um, so I, I, uh, wrote a story called No More Bad Weed Kisses, and the whole thing is, a, a based on real life, vaguely, again, and just about someone returning to town, and you have a tryst, and then it kind of brings up all this old baggage that you have, and you have to deal with it, but at the same time, you're angry at a person that doesn't exist anymore, and they're not the person in front of you, and you're trying to make it about this thing that had happened before, No, in the and story, you have to forgive it. this person had moved away. Yes. Like like uh presumably I'm thinking mm-hmm. from the from the context is it seems like New York. Like the standard somebody leaves or, for New or, York. or to anyway. Yeah, it, right. it doesn't matter where. The, the it, big it, city. As long as it's more exciting than where you are. That's right. it's yeah. it's a, a context driven. I like your story cuz I've been on both sides. Like I, <laughs> I live in Titusville and I have friends all over the world who come back and I've also lived in big cities and come back to Titusville and seen the people who are just spinning their wheels. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the um, now what did what did you want to get across with the story? Um, one, I don't want you to hate the girl. Oh, I which don't is think the thing. Okay, because she doesn't seem no, like an antagonist. At all. Super worried about that because he's the the main character is a little hard on him, and if you, the more you are in his shoes, the less you like the girl. But I don't want you to be completely on his side. He's a bit of a prick. Yeah, um, that's important, and it's it's more along the lines of, of forgiving and forgetting things and allowing yourself to be in the moment. And to to not bring your baggage into where you're going, and also kind of um, to let whatever moment you're having, the fact that it doesn't become your future needs to also be okay. Now, a problem I had I had when reading it is I feel like I didn't get enough information about the main character when he brought up his complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you could have gone into a little more depth, uh, either through um, talking about his internal monologue when when he starts complaining to her. Um, 
but but the things he says to her sound very real. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I had no problem with the dialogue, but but I wish I knew more about what he was thinking as he said it and like the way he was chastising himself for mm-hmm. for even saying it because it seems like he was reluctant to say it and was mad at himself for saying it, but he also needed to say it. Yeah. yeah. But I, w- I would have liked more of his internal struggle. Because it's kind of a rising action. Oh, I would like yes. to see. I love it, and I love that it's short, and, but I, uh, I think I would also love it if it was more. All right, do you have any, sp- 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 uh, like, if I can mention a specific yeah. place, where, like, she was probably too stoned to pick up the lie. Mm-hmm. Is right before it's the before the last paragraph, yeah. and I knew I wasn't giving enough information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I almost like that because it's it's vague enough to like you're, you're what right, is the lie? You're right on the cusp. I need yeah. more about like like I don't need to know what the lie specifically is, but I need evidence that there's a lot more counter to what he's saying. Okay. Ahead of time, like maybe in the way he feels about what he's about to say, but not necessarily why it's wrong. Okay. Yeah. You, no. You val- like completely yeah. valid, and I no I enjoy it. But um, but it's good. Uh, it feels very. I, yeah. I will say it, it does feel very real. I feel like it could be shorter. Even though it's it, it is very, <laughs> it's short. It, yeah. it is very short. I feel like it could be shorter because I think you could start with her um, getting the weed out. Okay. And I I think that's 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 probably the better place to start because that way it's already happened. You don't actually need a setup for this because it takes place in the real world. Mm-hmm. Huh. But that's just that's just an no. I I like that. That's interesting. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I also want to talk about like why I picked this uh, story. Uh, like yeah. as far as like stylistically prose wise, mm-hmm. this is what I like to do. Um, a lot of setup, a bit of dialogue, and then a resolution. It's it's, it's how it, how things generally flow natural for me. And again, I, I was working toward an ending, which like that yeah. block of mm-hmm. of words at the end is what I was trying to well, get that goes to your the entire time. At the end. Yeah. But I, I I liked your theme of decay. Of the decay oh, yeah. of both the weed oh. and both the decay um, of their relationship that never yeah. really existed. And well, and the red eyes was supposed to be a, a whole thing yeah. where like she could have red eyes because she's stoned and that's mm-hmm. a great cliche. But also from crying and, and, yeah. and it almost happens. Now you've done something interesting here, which Max did last week, where you, you brought us a sample which is indicative more so of the general style yeah. that you want to represent. Yeah. Uh, is there something about your style that you don't like? Um, if we really get into it, I, 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 one, I feel like it's the fact that I really, really like to use first person mm-hmm. and I almost exclusively use it is a crutch and it's something I need to get over with. Um, not that I, I should maybe not use it, but I don't feel comfortable writing in third person and I don't like that about myself as a writer. Now, if you, if you could change this story and write it in third person to be third person, it would be, what would you, what would you change about it from it what perspective? It would be longer. It would be a lot longer. Yeah, I would, oh my god, it would be I so I would much like longer. to have her in there as well. Or in her, in her headspace. Her headspace. Yeah, and that's that's a whole nother you really, difficult. You do put out where she's coming from perfectly, but doing it from her headspace as well, I think would add even if she left from there and went There could out, be an extra level else. of something she yeah. doesn't want to say. But yeah, I mean as as far as my like writing style, um I've I have i have tried to do it a couple times. I haven't brought any of the stuff that I've done. I try to change from um, present or or no, I try to change from past to present tense mm-hmm. to kind of show a shift in what's going on. I've never been able to get it to work, but I really want to because it's a really cool trick. Have you ever tried um, using both? You want to use <laughs> simultaneously? Well, yeah, well, I was, was going to say, have you ever tried um, writing something in screenplay format? I, do. I use both. No, simultaneously. screenplay format is exclusively present tense. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, um, if you were to take this and convert it to screenplay format, it would be way shorter. <laughs> Because yeah. it would be like he looks at her, mm-hmm. and that's it. Uh, but but, but, it, but it's that seems really dry you know interesting. Me. I think the buildup of the text that you refer to, if you built up the that five day relationship that they have canceling, and everything, I think that would add a if you wanted to make it longer. Maybe, but it's, that's so that's so uh, that one that feels so front loaded. And two, it seems much more angry with the fact that he was sitting on it. To me, well, seems I think like it would start answer. with it would start with hope from both of them. She's hopeful that she's coming in not being a bad person. He's hopeful that this old relationship becomes. That's how I write. Mm-hmm. And then I've had people bail on me, you know, all the time. So I think I could relate to that, and I would like to see the buildup. All, all right. in all, you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll be perfectly honest with you. The thing I like most about it is that it was sincere. It feels very sincere. Very it comes from. It comes from. It comes from a place of. of that of, is the of best actual knowing, I've ever fucking knowing heard. Liam alone. That's when you said like more of his character. I'm like, no, I know Liam. I I know <laughs> I know why this happened. And then I'm like, oh, our podcast listeners, they don't know Liam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would say I would say if you're going to if you're going to work on it, I would start a little bit later, mm-hmm. and then and then probably give us give us more internal uh, monologue okay. for him. If Just, you're, if you're yeah, going that direction, the, the only you cover basically everything. Yeah. Well, and more than 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 what I was going to say, which is just simply, I can see how he views her but i don't see as much of how he views himself so i don't know like just just i don't need a ton just a hair mm-hmm. more just okay. a little more just just so i get a, a better view because it's like oh he's an asshole but something Why is, what is the context of that he, it's yeah, like I, it's right asshole. but it's like but it's an he's he's being an asshole air quotes by the way he's viewing her Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But, like, how am I supposed to be viewing him? Like, if he says, this is what I think. Like, this, you know, oh, I don't like that about her, for example. Well... I don't like that about her because I think of this, or you know okay. what I'm saying. Like I'm not even to compare yeah. himself. There's not enough of a comparison, but what, but it's, yeah. I mean, it works. I just want if you just a hair more to see how she views herself, because that when that breakdown comes, I would like to see more of how she views herself before that breakdown of how he views her comes in. Um, yeah, I think I might yeah. rewrite this completely in third like person. But I do. I, but I, it's it, gonna it, get. If, if it's you, gonna get way longer. Yeah, yeah, that's, if that's, you do, I think we'd all love to read it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I do agree that it did feel very honest, which I liked. So. Yeah. My, my thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine is just a um, an updated outline for from what I brought last week. Um, the biggest additions that I made are um, actual 
pieces of text taken from the original Sleepy Hollow, uh, like straight out of the book, copied and pasted in, just as description of like the characters and of the environment. And um, I also fleshed out more of what Act Two is going to feel like. Um, Act Three is still like a two sentence thing because I, I still don't really know how it's going to get wrapped up. I just know about very heavily of what the tone is going to be and what it's going to feel I like. I think that helped. Yeah, like, that was I was going to say like when like Brown tone, like t- yeah, you you drove home tone more, and I think that will that tone and character when they're like yeah, horseplay like a tartar. Yeah, and that explains more of how he is going to be the headless horseman. Yeah, like that. How he's place, skilled like, enough to do that, yeah. and like how he's not just—he's not just some dumb, you know, hick guy. Who's yeah. like, Why suddenly he's so cool? It's like, well, no, he's actually—he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, another thing I—I I got rid of is um, I deleted descriptions I had about Brahm's father because now mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's not, another big change that I had was maybe not even having Brahm's father in it and just have him be like, you don't know about his family. And you're like, he's kind of an angry young man. Like, what's the deal? Oh, well, he clearly doesn't have a father. Maybe the father died. Mm-hmm. And then when, in the end, they get into this cave, and we I mentioned before, like, yeah, Ichabod then. would have a flashback. Well, Brahm's flashback could very well be his, his him dealing with his father who had dementia. And that's where that backstory would come in. So his, his father's not a character going into it, yeah. but he's something that will come up later. Because he had these inner demons that he has to face. Or Ichabod is Brahm's but, father. No. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> but, Ichabod's, but the whole thing is... Ichabod's the killer. <laughs> He's, he's all these, he's, he's the answer to everything. He's the headless horseman. <laughs> uh, but I would also say, like, the idea yeah. that, that Braum exists without his father, I enjoy more, too, because then it's also, it's very more of a, an American story, self-made man kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you respect Braum more, because he's not... Yeah, well, this also, this is also, uh, the, that was the biggest change, but there was two big challenges that I've just met while, while we're visiting mm-hmm. everything. One is the ages of everybody. Uh, I found out Katrina Van Tassel specifically is... It's called eighteen years old. Like so, that's 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 how old she is. She is the. Can you describe? Can you say how she? I can't is? remember how it's it's worded better. <laughs> Watching interview has a better way with words, but her petticoat was so short that she put on full display the uh, the uh, the most uh, beautiful uh, foot and ankle in the country round. Ooh, yes, that's foot and ankle. Yes, she um, is. Uh, she is. She's quite the catch. Yes, um, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, the the biggest hurdle um, was the ages. So like, I, first of all, what are they? Like sixteen, seventeen. Well, Katrina Van Tassel's eighteen. Brom is probably closer to twenty. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm like, okay, uh, I, would, I would imagine Brom would even be like would closer to thirty. 20. He even could be. He I could was be. Say yeah. like twenty two. Well, the reason why I'm not I'm push, not pushing so much for thirty is because he is sort of a rambunctious young man, and he does do, he's a prankster. Like these, mm-hmm. there's a juvenile 20, side to him. Twenty three, twenty four, I think works. That can work. Yeah, and but because there's this, it's about him growing up a little bit like I mean the original story he's just like the young man prankster everyone loves yeah. him he's a very affable guy um, but he does a very childish thing which is I'm gonna put on a costume and scare this guy so bad he runs away so I can get the girl and that is a childish thing that he's gonna have to reconcile where that's he's like some Ferris Bueller shit yeah well no that's some, exactly that's some Ferris Bueller shit but the, the second act of the movie is where I want him to go I fucked up. Like that was like that was a mean thing to do because now he may be dead or hurt, and I have to go fix that wrong. So you're saying Ichabod is a figment of Brown's imagination? No, no, okay, no. no. Um, <laughs> but one, one of the things I wanted to say is that I think what I liked about your description of him, at least to me, I don't remember if this is in the outline or not, but he seemed very, he seemed more mature. 
yes. by, by the description, especially how he how he deals with Ichabod when it becomes uh, a contest between him and Katrina. Because Vodkas. well, that's the thing. Because he knows if it ever came to a fist fight and he were to knock out Ichabod, everybody would hate him because Ichabod's never done anybody wrong. Like Ichabod right. is is considered a, a nice guy, the schoolmaster. He takes mm. care of the kids, you know, and he's intelligent and he's very nice to everybody. The, all the women like him because he's this. Uh, not only is he the schoolmaster, but he also teaches. Uh, singing psalms for everyone on like every, every week. And Brahm is also known for settling disputes. Exactly. So if he were to ever lose his temper and punch this guy, he knows he could lay him out, but everybody would hate him. So the one thing he, that he's good at, which is, you know, being yeah. big and tough, is useless here. So he has to like adapt and change. And then when and he's he, good at it. And he's good at it, but he still doesn't succeed. And that's why he resorts to doing a childish thing, which is putting on the costume and scaring him out of town. But when he realizes the consequences of that is maybe he's put this guy that for the first time he's looking at him outside of his own viewpoint of oh my gosh I now see that the whole town is sad that he's gone and you know what he wasn't a, a bad guy he didn't deserve me to, to push him off of a horse and you know whatever and now he for all I know he's got a broken leg and he's starving out there in the woods I gotta go find him or I won't be able to live with myself which I feel is like a mature self-realization that he has to go I through. I like that a lot better than what you started with. Yes. Of like, yeah. oh, the town's mad at me, so I guess I gotta go look. Right, yeah. right. That, and, and I had those notes before about that, but the yeah. um, the, the other big problem was is Ichabod's age, because I always pictured him being like in his 50s, maybe 60s. Um, turns out the American Revolution ended 11 years before the story takes place, so that would make Ichabod 30. You know, it's like, yeah. from what I originally planned, something I to be fair, people died at 50. Yeah. True, but Not also really, well, but, 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 but also people in seventy. But people, but people fought in the American Revolution when they were forty. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like it's not that crazy. So the, the big problem is a logic problem for me of like. How old do I want Ichabod to be? In my mind's eye, I pictured someone like Peter Capaldi playing him, uh, but Ugh. but he's like sixty. That seems that seems a little too venerable. But either way, it's like I always pictured him being an older gentleman. And part of one of the biggest conflicts between them is that he's a young man, very handsome. Ichabod is not an old old guy, but he's an older gentleman and very strange looking. So it's like just one more physical thing that can make them different. But then when they get thrust into this horrible situation, you realize, okay, yeah, we're opposite and pretty much every respect, but we can still like gentlemen and like grown-ups. We can get along. And I do like that you're making Brom the sympathetic character in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, because that's because um, not not sympathetic in the fact that he does something that you sympathize with, but that you understand why he does it. Yeah, and that he's the one who has has an emotional moment or or, or arc where he has to change for the better. Uh, I think that's I think it's a much better place to start from, or at least if that was your plan the whole time. It's much more rep- represented in this version of the and, Yeah, that was one yeah. thing I realized did not come across after mm-hmm. the first uh Yeah, I think first that outline. was your stated goal was that you wanted to write Brahm as the sympathetic, right? Yes. So, I, yeah, I definitely feel yeah. like his arc works better, much yeah. better than the guy that was presented at first. Mm-hmm. I, but I would almost say, like, don't, don't be afraid of making Ichabod 35 to 40 were, like, the later prime of his life. Mm-hmm. Where they're, they're two men at their best... Brahm at the beginning of his best, Ichabod at the end. We're like that's a good way to put it. Where mm-hmm. he's he's going to be fading. He's aware of that, and he doesn't even have to be like particularly weak. He could even theoretically be past his prime because he's he's penniless. He even stays at the houses and farms of these parents, you know, for a week to two weeks at a time, and he makes up for it by doing chores, you know. So he's mm-hmm. kind of on the downward uh, slope of his career. He's got nothing really going for him, which is. Another reason why, on top of actually liking Katrina Van Tassel, which he it comes across that he actually does like her legitimately, uh, but he also 
has so much to gain from getting back into that lifestyle of, you know, rich people and high society in which he's comfortable with. You're cool. You may have noticed I added to the list of um, uh, movie influences. I just wanted to clarify uh, that th th there's... It originally started with Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Shining, which are very, you know, moody... Uh, uh, and when you say Bram Stoker's Dracula, you mean the one that was in the 90s? Yes, I put the date on it as well, with just Keanu. to clarify. The Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola, Don't even yes. bring up Keanu when... I will always bring up Keanu. I like Keanu. Then that movie, it's like, you know, he he, he, he did his job. That, <laughs> no, he didn't. British accent. Don't give Keanu a British accent. But that Dracula was so awesome. Get Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins in that movie were amazing. Oh, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman in any movie. Yeah. Oh, but he I mean, I mean it's White Boy Day. But let's let's not forget Anthony Hopkins as, as Van Helsing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's wonderful. But the, the thing specifically about those movies, uh, like for... Uh, Dracula is like maybe overall atmosphere, like a strong atmosphere throughout that permeates the entire thing. Mm -hmm. um, Foreboding. For Jaws, uh, definitely that there's something hunting a small town in New York, mm -hmm. and uh, this one guy is trying to get people together to stop it. Um, Predator, the idea of you are in the woods and the thing you are hunting is not hunting you. Uh, so it's a little bit of paranoia there. Yeah. And The Shining is more of just like, you think you're watching Predator, and then it turns into The Shining, <laughs> and you're just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then the whole, oh, yeah. the maze idea of you know just like just madness creeping in, yeah. and not knowing if it's supernatural or if you've lost your mind. That whole topsy turvy element. That I like flips. it because it is nature working against exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm much I'm much more excited to see what you're bringing in next week. I can see more fleshed out. Ho I, I hopefully, at least have better ideas of what happens in Act Three because right <laughs> now it's just spooky stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> spooky. Just so Mr. Skeleton shows up. Doot doot. With the trumpet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Max. I um, did something I wasn't planning on doing. I mm -hmm. I brought my work last week as just a sample of my writing, but the gentleman here asked me to flesh out the second act. To iterate. They, yeah. They said they wanted more time, more time with a priest. So I sat down and I read through the story again and I thought, of what more time with the priest would be. I did feel, I looked at it and I kind of rushed it. It was a little more cynical than maybe I was planning on doing. It's still less cynical than what was there before. No, that's what I mean, the original. I mean, oh, yeah. Because no, it was like one paragraph of just cynical uh, oh, religion yeah, is religion. There's, yeah. there's a flip switched in him immediately yeah. after that almost seems too quick. So yeah, I no. went through and I worked, and I want to, I will maybe next week go back and work on the bar. I have a f idea of, like you guys said, juxtaposing the priest and Noah, mm -hmm. and I have some more ideas of that. But I wanted to go through and bring up the priest scene and change it around. Now, the, <clears throat> for me at least, um, I, I, I liked all the points that you got to that you didn't get uh, that you got to in this version that you didn't get to in the original. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like a lot of it was done in a style that was out of tone yeah. of the original. Yeah, I the original was written many years ago, and well, I had no idea how to get back it, into it. It's not time. even that. It, it, um, there's a, a move from simplistic to more complex thoughts on his part, mm -hmm. and that seems to break from that rhythm, which would probably be hard to b get back into. Yeah, mm -hmm. without, I couldn't really. Yeah, the, 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 uh, w specifically where I noticed it the most was when you mentioned uh, blue-eyed Jesus looking down at him, and I thought, this, is, this needs to be funny. Like, it needs to be as funny as the other uh, very innocent thoughts that he fully believes and and like there, there's great ways to punch those mm -hmm. those things into the audience uh like like jesus the, the ridiculous idea that jesus had blue eyes you know or, or anything like that mm -hmm. um 
but it con it, it but the yeah. whole thing is like that will contrast with Black Jesus. Yeah. So very right. well. And then there's where the joke is, but yeah, there seems to be less jokes in this in this mm -hmm. passage. And the sentences are longer, which is a stylistic difference entirely. Mm -hmm. But I liked all the uh, all the points he got to with the priest. I felt like you did like fully explore what that conversation would be. Mm -hmm. But in in doing that, you lost a little bit of the punch you had before. Specifically, um, the the priest looking at the clock um, was not as yeah. much of a revelation as it was before because you see you kind of see the priest going there. It'd be more interesting, I think, if if the if by his, from his perspective, the priest still seems engaged until he realizes the priest is looking at the clock. I think it's because you, that you had a conversation like that already and then you just stretched it out. There was a moment where I was afraid it was going to start getting repetitive where I'm like, he's just asking why, 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 this was the day, this was the day. And at the first time I read it, it was like comedic. But the second time it didn't come off as funny. So, but then you had the things like the blue-eyed Jesus, like him looking at the clock. And I'm like, okay, I'm, as like it started to catch, like find its footing again. If there was a way like in the middle where where he starts to ask, but why? Like, you know, even after he tells him that story, yeah. if he's looking if he's looking at this priest and saying, but but I don't understand why, if there was, like, his reaction was more comedic and, like, uh, in a way almost even dismissive, just like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, like one, yeah. one, one, not one that makes him an asshole, but one of just, like, maybe you didn't hear me. You know, like, okay, that kind yeah. of, like that kind of thing where it's like, we, the audience, are seeing what this priest is saying. We're like, okay, I can see where that priest is going with that. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this guy is still just so hard-headed on his questioning that he's not even really listening to the priest, to me, that might make it more obvious that it's funny. Um, but other than that, like like Josh says, like every, I can see how we got to that logical conclusion. So I like mm -hmm. that part I completely understood. Liam, do you have anything else? I would just say, um, if, if you're going to, again, redo this, yeah. Um, and edit it, and I think you should because the the short story has still is really good and has enormous potential. Find a nice middle ground in those links, where I was hoping for like another three paragraphs in the church, another three paragraphs in the bar. You went ten paragraphs in the church, and that seemed a little belabored and a little less funny. Okay, I don't know if I'll be continuing. I have other you don't stories have to. that I. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm interested to see more of what you're writing now. Yeah, yeah, this like this like I said, it it was written in college many many years ago, and to me, to in say, one take. Like I said, to me, that's crazy that you can go back and pick it up and have it be that similar. Because if I tried to do it, it would be a completely different tone. It'd be like a completely different. I I, I couldn't Likewise. even match it that close. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote the whole thing in like third person, and then I went through and I read it again. I'm like, damn it, because I wrote that story in all his perspective. So I had to go through and change that whole thing to be like... And that's always my Because I was like, Robert said, and then the, I'm like, no, I said. <laughs> so, it, yeah. But I I liked your guys, what you said about it, and I went back through and I did find the church scene pretty lacking. It was almost like just a castaway device in there. So. Well, we are always right. That's for, what yeah. <laughs> but also, it was, like, it was a castaway scene for a single great joke. Yeah. Which is always worth it and totally mm -hmm. fine. Okay. Now, as for, as for me this week, um, I just brought in... Uh, I world tried to, building! Yeah, <laughs> world building! Back on this subject. I don't know if you know that I love world building. <laughs> <laughs> Have I mentioned I, it? I, uh, I, what I really wanted to turn in was an outline, but at, at this stage um, of me just throwing everything into the outline, the way the outline appears is not really... It won't really make sense to anyone. But you need a glossary. Yeah, it, it, so so um, hopefully next week uh, the outline will have, as I've already described my outlining process, it will be much more fleshed out in a way that will be at least readable to you guys. So you, so we can ask good questions and you guys can find holes in, in what I've planned. 
Um, this week, what I did is turn in the world building so you guys have a better idea of the actual setting mm -hmm. that the story takes place in. How do you guys feel about a glossary? I hate it. Depends on the story again. Yeah, yeah. I would really like one for Master and Commander, like you mentioned yeah. earlier. Oh. Well, <laughs> see that? Because that would be a book. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It worked for really well. Yeah, the, the yeah. what did they call it? The, um, uh, the, the yeah. Russian English. But it, explaining version. it in the text would have ruined, I think, would have ruined that text. I think I picked it up just, I never I think read there were that. enough context clues. Yeah, I read in context. I never, I never read a glossary for it. I just picked it up what they're saying in context. Mm -hmm. I like the glossary in it. Oh. That's my takeaway. Mm-hmm. So, what did you guys think? I liked having more information on story, yeah. more background, more of who the humans were, more of the harangue styles and everything. Like, mm -hmm. well, was it Wivix? Mm-hmm. I could see more of his position in society. Oh, uh, Kilvin? Kilvin, sorry. Yeah, the, Kilvin. The, the, the fox guy. Yes, the fox okay. guy. The people are the Wivix, or the... Yes, well, the humans The humans are just humans, and, and then the, the, his his species is the Wilvix. Wilvix, sorry, Wilvix. So here's and, something that, that I, didn't, yeah. I didn't quite get. It, are Wilvix, they're like... Because uh, I mentioned Narnia before. Mm -hmm. Are these recognizable creatures? They they look very similar to a fox, but they're not... They don't have the same proportions, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're more like... Um, they're almost simian. Like, they have... They have uh, uh, rear legs, but longer proportional uh, uh, arms than humans would. So, so they. Uh, I know I, I didn't describe because the in, first because because last week when I was reading it, I basically just pictured talking animals. Right. That walked that walked up white uh, upright that were mm -hmm. bigger, but basically like it had the head of a fox, head of a badger, head of like whatever. Uh, th they should be similar in height to Malcolm. So so similar in height, imagine to a thirteen year old boy. Okay, fantastic, so, Mr. Fox. Because because when I because when the confusion the, came, the, fantastic Mr. Fox is way smaller. <laughs> they, yeah, they're about this this big. Yeah. But the um, uh, uh, just for those of you yeah. listening, which is all of you, yeah. uh, that was that was, <laughs> that, was about, that was about eight inches. <laughs> yes. It was more like a six yeah. six inches tall. Because yeah. um, they were they were it, come on guys, it was eight, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting out the tape measure. <laughs> but the um, but when I read. Uh, the world building notes. That was when I had the realization of, oh wait, maybe they weren't just literally bigger versions of animals I was familiar with. There might be something different, and yeah. that's where I got a little confused because you're like, oh, this subspecies, this one where is is you know red fur, this one's got white and black fur. And I'm like, wait a minute, so these two species are the same? I thought it was literally the animals I'm already familiar with, mm -hmm. but but now that you've explained that they're like sort of evolved, kind of mm -hmm. they're 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 a mix between. They're not. They're not just the furry version of an animal. It's like closer to human and it's closer to Malcolm's height. Like that. Right. right. That made a more complete picture for me. But the, the the idea from it um, came from. Um, did you guys ever hear about the Russian experiment for domesticating foxes? Yes. It, it's it's it, it for those of you who don't know. Uh, I'm going to link it in the show notes, uh, the Wikipedia page about it. But there was a a Russian scientist who tried to domesticate foxes by just breeding them differently depending on um, how they would react when he approached their cages. So the ones who would um, react more placidly, he bred with the other ones that react similarly. And when they did that, their coats changed. Like not only their attitude, but the actually way they looked changed depending on how wild they were. Mm. So the idea that you would have uh, several versions of, of, of foxes um, being having going through some kind of forced evolution, uh, what, what would you call it? A unnatural selection, yeah, um, yeah, forced selection, yeah. uh, could produce pretty dramatic differences on a pretty short scale. That was it, one of my questions of how creatures living in the same village would be so different in this mm -hmm. first style. I also thought, like, um, 
Well, specifically, I, I think that the coat of an animal can vary more widely than the skin color of a human. Yeah. Um, based yeah. on generation, specifically, if you like within with with his experiment, it only took a couple generations. Okay. Uh, of of foxes to to really differentiate them. So, how big is a Wilvix village? Oh, um, I'm imagining five, six thousand. Okay, so I'm. I should I should have written that. Yeah, because I'm thinking little villages, but you're thinking more. Like a good sized town. Yeah, yeah, good sized. Okay, because I was thinking interbreeding with, with, with elderly and and like uh, schools. Okay, because like just interbreeding. If you had like twenty, you wouldn't be. Yeah, there's up. no way. Yeah, so okay, six thousand. I was thinking more like totems, like, but I think that makes mm-hmm. a lot more sense to have that breeding population. Other than that, just I wanted more story, but that's just world building yeah. notes. But yeah, yeah. Like, I wish I wish and, I had something and, similar to critique. And, and everything I, I want to bring up is like, and how is this information going to be conveyed with the reader <laughs> in the context of a story? Because yeah. like the whole thing is, I I enjoy the world you're you're building. How is that going to be digestible? Is the only thing I I want to bring up. And of course, that's where you're not at that point. Right. Not not at all. Uh, no, no. I, I I do know, obviously, but but I think that will be the most important thing to be brought up in the outline phase. Yeah. I would like to know more about the religion of the humans mm-hmm. to where, like, where their um, totem animal comes from. What did you call them when they, the aspect? Oh, yeah, the aspect warriors. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually hadn't thought about where that comes from. Because I feel like the beginning religion and myth is a good way to sneak your story into your story. Like to have a foil for it? Yeah, because, like, oh, well, here, they can. he comes in, he's never been to this village. Well, sit down. Here's a storyteller with a priest, and he'll tell you about the different aspects about, yeah. where, about the, where we think we come from. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good way to get. You know, I think like I, I think that I think you're you're bringing up a yeah. really good point about like if, if there's a good part in the story where I can have him uh, sit down with another human and they mm-hmm. tell he what what the other humans think is the legend of Malcolm's people. Yeah, yeah. you know uh, that that could be a good way to. And if convey. we learn where the Wilvicks think they, we learn from where the Wilvicks think they come from. And we learn where the humans think we come from. And then he sees, like you said, the moon mm-hmm. and the sun and the stars look kind of familiar to him, but not ultimately familiar yeah, to him. Yeah, they're, they're different enough for him to think that he's not home. Yeah, but those three coming together into one, I think that creates a good place of where this world is. Interesting. You know, okay. where it came from. I, uh, I love religions and stories of, like, building them and seeing how they... And unbroken miss. chain. Huh? Unbroken oh, chain. Oh, yeah. I'm going to give that a lot more thought. Yeah, mythos are one of my favorite things. All right, thanks, everybody. Uh, Now we're moving on to the bad story trailers portion of the podcast, our personal favorite. Uh, You're completely correct. Where each week we throw a raw idea or two into the mix and try to beat it into the shape of a movie and cut together an audio trailer. All right, has anybody got an idea they want to throw forward? I I had one from that I started thinking of as soon as... uh, we were all talking about used books. Let's <laughs> hear it. Uh, this is this is just this. I'm throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Take it or leave it. This is. Uh, I was like, wouldn't it be great to do a uh, romantic film about a dude gets a used book, used textbook, or even a used book? Like if you get a Kurt Vonnegut book, yeah. He opens it up and he starts reading these notes in this beautiful handwriting, and he's like, "This woman who wrote this." I'm so connecting more with this woman's notes on on how she views this book than I am about the book itself. I gotta find who owned this book, and it's gonna be a romantic like journey. This guy trying to find that, Ta- trying to find that person. Time travel romantic. I have a thing to put in this. We're like again, we're doing this yeah. in a record shop, and my dad buys records from us, um, and so we buy up collections. So a lot of times, there's a lot of 
people's write their names on the records. And my dad just started going through, and he realized that he bought 20 records from this one collection of this like lady named Elaine Miller. And he's like, I think I'm in love with Elaine Miller. She has the best music taste I've ever. <laughs> no, she, she got rid of the record. She doesn't yeah. know. She doesn't. She no. The thing is, the thing is, we, we actually no. We found out who she was. She died. <laughs> I think that's the interesting. Yeah. Okay, Ulti- well. That might that might be the ultimate thing. Is this guy is like now I need to invent a time machine to go back. <laughs> it's like, now, it's like, now this, yeah. this, this this sounds to me like it could be one of two genres. It could either be a romantic comedy or mm-hmm. it could be a thriller. Yes, I was thinking more uh, when I was now, thinking of it. I was more then, of a romantic drama kind of like just he's just got to find this. He's got to go on a mission to find this this mm-hmm. woman a woman of his dreams. But of course by the by the time he gets there, she might already married or something like that. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. I think the idea that she's dead is way better. Yeah, or she, yeah, she could be dead. Whatever. On a side note, for used books. I love when an old person with my taste dies. <laughs> you might want to rephrase that. All of their books go to the SPCA, and I just pick up, like, I'm like, oh, there's Douglas Adams. Oh, there's some Tolkien. And I'm just like, you want to go and get all those? Those books are hard to find otherwise. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, getting old, nice versions. <laughs> getting of a nice version for like oh, 10 totally cents. different. Oh, okay, well, if you want first editions or something, then. You know, it's right. someone with my taste whose family doesn't care about them because they just get rid of all their possessions. Jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> you evil well, son of okay, a bitch. Well, okay, so. so Let's see. The what would the thriller version of this one be? Of the, uh, so we, we, I think the romantic comedy version is pretty self-evident and yeah. a little boring. What if he makes a little spy into it? Like well, the the f- if knew, you want to take that, man bas- too little. The, the basic premise of you open up a book and you're finding notes from a person that you is a total stranger. Uh, the thriller version of that is this dude uncovers a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah he's not supposed know. to be seeing these <clears throat> notes. Yeah, yeah. Now, Delane Miller is dead. Elaine Miller is Elaine, dead. Elaine Miller is dead. What if... That's our title. What if the notes suggested <laughs> oh. that she wasn't? Oh, it's something like... Oh. Or that it was foul play. Oh. Where, like, you pick up you pick up something from the... You know this is supposed to be from a dead person. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you uncover something else. Also, I think we need we need one more modifier on style and tone yeah. to be thrown out to kind of crystallize this. What's like, our time period? So, so I was... Th- contemporary. Book notes. Because it's because you use books. Yeah, the yeah, idea yeah of, you know, I, I, the is, thing is, yeah. Mm-hmm. book notes, thriller... I want one more thing in the blender to kind of to, to push it over no, the top. Now, when when were used books? I, I can imagine used books being really interesting in a 1970s setting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because there's no cell phones. Yeah. And 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 no they, internet. They, yeah, exactly. They have to physically show up to the police. Department. What if you got a used book and you open it and it says, "Please help me. I'm being held against my will at this address." No. Also, what would you do? Turning this into the into Goodwill. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like the sure. awful. The awful one is uh is. Uh, I the, thought you were referencing the, something. This dude starts reading a book. You don't see what it is, but you're like, "This the notes in this book. This this girl is ready. I'm in love with her, and I gotta find her. And everyone says she's dead. And you're this whole time you're like, "I hope he finds that girl." But you realize the book he was reading was just Go Ask Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Or what if okay? Here's here's another thriller. What if he wrote the notes, and he's finding them to himself from a book that he just picked up? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. So what do you mean? You mean you mean he's not conscious of the notes that he's writing? No, that he picked up a used book uh-huh. and it had notes written to him from him. Ooh. Like a like like it's from the future. Yeah. Okay. Or an alternate version of him. Yeah. Like okay, so for instance, um, Tyler Durden. Spoiler alert. Uh, and Fight Club is the main character. Right. So what if what if there's like a version of the, like it doesn't have to be split personality. Yeah. But uh, let's say it, it could be it could be a version where it's an alternate him that he's not aware of. It's almost like it almost sounds like a Men in Black scenario where like he's getting his memory erased or like Memento. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's Ooh. like, it's a note to himself, and it's just like, you gotta remember this thing, they're gonna make you forget, or whatever. That's a definitely thriller mm-hmm. where it's just like, mm-hmm. where it's like, even if it's not from the future, like, it's a note, like, he knows that he reads this book, and then he puts a note in there, and he writes it down, but he's just like, wait a minute, I don't remember doing that. Like, what no, the fuck? Like, no, I, no, I do like the idea of there being an antagonist. Yes, right. And making, who is the antagonist? Making him is... forget. Um, where that wasn't the case in Memento. Um, what do you guys think about that? I like mm-hmm. that. We have a villain. Okay. okay. But who? So so let's why do is, some world building? So so he writes. So so let's say <laughs> he writes this in books mm-hmm. that he knows that he would be interested in. Yes. And then trades, trades them in at a used yes. bookstore near near so where he they lives. Can't, so they can't be traced. Right. And and no one picks up used books from bookstores, so it'll they'll remain. They'll stay. Okay. Uh, I don't feel like checking up on whether or not that would be true. So <laughs> I don't think the audience would either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Let's see. We've got we've got a, a protagonist who is having the memory erased. Why? Um, he well, they he worked has, at Area Fifty One. No, no. I'm <laughs> no, saying if it's, it if it's, like if it's the movie conspiracy theory, it's because he's secretly an assassin. Yes. Uh, so, Which is fun. Yeah, but it's also the same plot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so and he has to pick up Catcher in the Rye. Um, hmm. So let's think. What if he's not an assassin? What if he's some kind of other operative. What if he? What if he's somebody who has who has an ability? A sleeper cell. Mm-hmm. Or well, that's 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 an assassin. That's, yeah. that's that's the same story. What if what if he has an ability like he can see the future, and and they they <clears throat> need to get predictions from him, but then they need to make him forget it. Um, Isn't that paycheck? Almost. Um, With Ben Affleck. Yeah. I would. Um, uh, data processing would be better. Where like a, a hand, you'd need someone who has to control and kind of disseminate information. Well, you'd have to be a network hub. You'd have to be erased. Because mm-hmm. you would know, one, the identities of, of your assassins, and two, their missions. But you have to be aware of them to disseminate that information. So you mean somebody like Julia Roberts in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, where she is the contact for an assassin to or receive the, information from? Or the other Julia from um, uh, Born Lodge. Identity. Or Gross Point Blank. Or, no, no. Well, yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, someone someone who who deals with assassins, they find part of the job unsatisfactory. But more importantly, they know that when they retire, they're they're going to be erased. Mm-hmm. So he leaves information for himself to kind of uncover a, a mystery around something that maybe needs to be undone or that he regrets. All right. Well, let's zoom out and zoom back in here. Okay. Okay. So so let's start. What if it's the kind of story where you start where this person seems totally normal mm-hmm. and they think they're to- totally normal? Yes. Okay. And then there's a hidden conspiracy that would change the nature of how they see the world. And let's zoom all the way out. Let's let's talk about let's talk about some kind of truth mm-hmm. that you'd want to conceal. Um, Illuminati. I, I think aliens, Illuminati, obviously Kennedy, assassinations. Kennedy assassination is assassinations. Just so much fun. Um, the FBI paid to have Martin Luther King Jr. killed. You can see the future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him to see the future. I, I, I yeah. like the idea of a handler, but it, yeah. what, what's trying to think of a big world-changing things. Yeah, what's yeah? What's the truth that needs to be uncovered? Why is he writing these down? Because he feels that he needs to write the thing that he has been involved in. Uh, what about something supernatural? Ghosts. Ghosts are uh, lame. <laughs> that's a, that's an easy note. Dude, ghosts are real. P.S. It's me. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, <laughs> ghosts are lame. Um, I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> yeah. What if he did lie? To you? Ghosts weren't real. What um, if? Okay. What if he is dangerous? That's better. Yes. What? If, what if? What if? At a certain point, after he discovers a certain thing about himself, he has to forget. 
Otherwise, he's not. Um, he's I'm not almost safe. thinking it's like this is almost reminding me of Incognito, where it's like he actually is a supervillain, super crazy powers. No, the, the, com- the comic book. Yeah, yeah. he doesn't. Super does, doesn't, doesn't know. Doesn't know that he's got the power to kill you with a thought. And then, uh, and, and the government is trying. The government to keep him is in trying check. to keep him in check because they they need him. They needed him alive for some reason. What's his yeah. power? It has to be bad, like dangerous. Yeah, Maybe like MK Ultra, like killing with mind or something. If you want to bring in or the whole assassination, scene. fucking ridiculous conspiracy thing, he just oh. he can make you have a brain hemorrhage. No, just by well, the thing is, with I, you. but again, I I don't want him to be just an assassin. Or just but that's even, they could have even, used him for even that. if he was just an actual lie detector. Oh, that would, would be, be cool. like that's if he could do it with actual accuracy, that's a game changer, like mm-hmm. a mind reader. So you make that, him forget he can do that, and and that and that could be the thing that he uncovered a lie that he wasn't supposed to know. I like it because it's like or the, read the mind of someone that he was not supposed to be able to read. The Serenity, you brought a oh yeah high level. Yeah, you brought you brought a telepath. Like you yeah. brought a high level politician yeah. into a room with a bunch of telepaths. I like the idea of him being a mind reader. Mm-hmm. What if? He's not supposed to know, or rather, a lie detector. Even mm-hmm. it, he just knows whether or not somebody's telling the truth. Getting that information early for him before the government gets him in a room and tells him how to do it, mm-hmm. and again to to, yeah. to make him use it to find out, um, or the government or the mafia or whoever whoever wants to use it. If he can tell himself that information early, that uh, and and how to do it, then we have a movie because yes. or- because because the because if if he learns how to read people's uh, intentions, whether or not they're, you know, they're lying or telling the truth, then he knows when somebody walks up to him intentionally who's from that organization. Yes. And then that's where, that's, that's act one. If, like, he, if he's like telepathic, slight, like sight telepathic, if it's a mixture of like, he can tell when someone's lying or telling the truth, but if he can also make them forget. He found something that he wasn't supposed to know and he made himself forget. I don't know if that leads us into a film. Though. Yeah, no. That, but if it's if, a, a clear antagonist that made him forget, I, I think is cleaner. I mean, they could have they could have they could have made him where it's like you fucking put a gun to his head. They're like, you make yourself forget, or we're gonna fucking you know. How would they know? Yeah, I don't know. That's like he's the one. <laughs> he, he's, but he, but he knows the they one, ain't lying. I'm just saying he's the one with all the power. Then yeah. they also they need to have a comparable power. Or else they're, they're, they're there's drugs, no enemy. There are drugs people give you after you have surgery to make you forget. If it was a surgery where you had to remain conscious. Because people will will experience PTSD afterwards, yes. even if the surgery was, was relatively mild, because they saw themselves get opened or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if he if his skill is that he can tell if you're lying or not, he's working with people that have other abilities, like that. That's how they made him forget. Yeah. Someone has the ability to make you forget. Right. Okay. So now we have a protagonist and a antagonist power. Yes. But not necessarily the antagonist, because mm-hmm. it could just be some other person pressured yeah. into mm-hmm. it. All right. Um, <clears throat> What's the conspiracy they're making him forget? What's the What's the big one? Well, he had if his job is to figure out if someone is lying or telling the truth. He had to have uncovered a lie, right? That someone doesn't want to become public, and a big lie that's on his side. Nine Eleven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anunnaki. Um. Uh, okay. Uh, what about how about? Uh, it could even be just like corporate corporate espionage. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, what was it? The uh, Volkswagen. You know, they just they were cheating on emission standards, and then that's a boring movie. Well, they lost. No, I'm saying they lost like fifty percent of their company yeah. stock value or something. That's something a company would kill for. 
I think there's God, I've always wanted to do something to do with the the fact that in Asia they have these companies that control everything mm-hmm. more so even than we have in America with oh, GE in, and Viacom and stuff Korea, like that. what do they call them? Chables. Yeah. Yeah, and in uh yeah. in in Japan they call them zaibatsus. So if if there's some kind of um I don't know, some some kind of cabal. Yeah, some yeah. kind of cabal for a, of a chable. Which I think that's how that's pronounced. I have no idea. I've only seen it written. This would be an interesting Korean movie. Right. Um, And this person, their only job is corporate espionage. But what's the secret that he's uncovered about this chable? Soil and green is made of people. That's a good one. That's not a bad one. It's been used. Yes. (laughs) That's a good one, though. That's a good one. We'll talk about that one later. Um, We're living be, in it, the Matrix. It, it, well, no, the whole thing is it could it could be something like they have a cure for something that they're just not putting out. Mm-hmm. They have they have a product that would solve everyday solutions, make the world innumerably better, but they're not releasing it because they haven't milked us enough. Desalinization but, would be a big one. But they okay, but remember that they they had to find they had to use him to find out yes. if somebody was lying. What would that person be lying about? And who? Oh, would the, well, the whole thing is they don't even have to worry about something that I mean he could just have found out internally a lie he could have met someone or talked to someone that he shouldn't have been talking to and so they then, could have said so something he, as he wouldn't even have a, a magic a special power or, no the whole thing is he can have a special power and they're like oh we don't know anything about that and then it just pings and he's like that guy was lying uh-oh yeah yeah because if you're a i sh- need to now forget if, this well here's the thing if you're a shadowy company why would you ever hire a guy who knows when you're lying or not so if it doesn't even have to be the people that he worked for it could just yeah. be that he's he he may he may for all we know he may work for a benevolent organization or something and then he just happened to uncover be the a, biggest fucking could be a problem. Janitor. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't, I don't know about janitor, but like, but just he he doesn't have to have a direct relation to the bad guys. He could just be the unlucky bastard who found out the truth. Mm-hmm. And what is the but what is the truth is now <coughs> the, the in big business, what? business negotiations. Someone who could tell if someone else was lying, just instinctively like that, would be. Every company would want him. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think so. Then he's a negotiator. Yeah. So what if? What if? You know what would be an, an interesting lie to uncover is if someone's admitting to murder or someone's admitting to doing a big corporate cover up. Like, no, I admit yeah. we did a big evil corporate thing, and it's like, oh, we were responsible for the oil spill, but you know, we're, we're going to take care of it. And it's like the, the lying ping goes off, and he's like, but he's admitting guilt. What the fuck is he lying about? Yeah. You know. And then it's like, it's, it's got to be something worse. Yeah, exactly. What if he was brought on to, to find out whether or not a competitor was, was creating some kind of mind control mm-hmm. and in doing so found out that the company he works for is developing a similar product. Yes. And more importantly, has succeeded. Yes. Right. And then they erased his memory several times because they bring him in. I, I, I do like the angle of him yeah. being a tool for corporate right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. negotiations. Because in our modern world, we don't really have that spying thing anymore. I think it's we're moving towards corporate away from government. Corporate espionage is yeah, extremely huge. powerful right now. Because what are our giant city-states now? Our companies. Mm-hmm. Multinational Shit, well, hey, they're people, balls. too. <laughs> well, they are. Legally. Yes, yeah. you're correct. <laughs> they have way more rights than people do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so so the lie is mind control. Okay, mind control. Everybody cool with that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. And the so, evilness of the company, because they would know, bringing him in, that they're going to wipe his mind. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they're like, yeah, he's going to ping off us, but we're just going to use him and then get rid of him. What does this person think their job is? I think they would know. They would... Would they know that they are instinct? Maybe they just think. Well, no. The like, thing is, yeah, he he comp- he would completely be like they can't erase 
everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would make no sense. He it could knows. be that they even that the backstory could be that they they put out a call like, hey, if you have any gift gifted abilities, well, I, let's, I would you almost know. I would almost think he would still continue to work for the people who erased his mind, and they were like, hey, you got this book, your mind has been erased. Here are some things you need to know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he thinks he's a he's a um, again a contract negotiator. He's supposed to determine if if things are fair or yeah. if the other team is playing against it. And his his side is the one that that has erased his mind. But he says they say it's the other guys. Yeah. Where is this set? Montana. Yeah, I would like America because uh, my accent last week was a <laughs> yeah. I'm not happy about a it. Little weak. Yours Chicago's fun. I like yours. Chicago's always fun. I think Doug won, of course. Oh, Doug yours, will continue to win. So that's fun. Whatevs. <laughs> I think I think contemporary or near future is interesting. I think near future definitely yeah. for America Minority to pick up report the style. Um, mm-hmm. Chable style. Giant, giant Wayland Utani, uh, Tyrell Corp, uh, corporations at war here. What if <clears throat> the story is that this guy is about is about to be invited to a huge business convention like G20 mm-hmm. or, or something mm-hmm. like that and his, he finds out through the books that he reads because he knows his hobbies better than the other people better than his employers do that and he, they're they're so mechanical the last thing they think would to check would be his his used, used book. books yeah so so they um he's going to be invited to this to prepare negotiations and he wants to sabotage by saying by pitting them against each other with it's the only way he thinks he could stay safe is by is by making himself the only person determining who's lying, and he knows the answer, and he'll tell the highest bidder or the person who can keep him safe. The government could get involved, as they want to be one of the people who who could use his abilities. Yeah. So he makes himself the subject of an auction. I'd imagine that's his goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, only only in the sense that that keeps him the most safe and alive. Yeah. Exactly. So he sells out the company that he works for. Says that oh, uh, they invented this horrible thing um, to, and, and they brought me in to find out if they were inventing this horrible thing. They also wiped people's memories, by the way, because they wiped mine and I had to <clears throat> discover through notes to myself. It's like, no, we didn't that do that. Happened. Yeah, you did. I, I, you just told me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, we didn't do that. Uh, you're lying. I could tell. <laughs> and, and then, um, and the idea that why should you trust him? It's like, well, you know, I, I can prove to you that, I'm, that, that I know when somebody's lying, but you don't know whether or not I'm lying. Mm. His antagonist is somebody who wipes people's memories. His best defense is to tell as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So that they can't all be wiped. Okay. Um, could this person be a woman? Yes. Yes. Okay, so this would change um, the way that we perceive this person's relationships mm-hmm. and um, this person's home life when they go home. Uh, but I don't think we can voice act a woman too well. No. Um, <clears throat> oh, it, unless An attractive lady? <laughs> Not if she's attractive, but if she's old and gruff. I th- you know what? This is a better story. <laughs> if, if, it, if it's an old, gruff woman, like the one that John Mulaney makes up for yes. the New York Post, like, I beat it, Bozo. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a protagonist I can get behind. Or even like a Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. See, Judy Dench is fine, but I, I think I'd almost rather have like some sort of chain smoker who hates the government who become you know who, who starts pitting people against i didn't buy it for one minute yeah. Yeah. i knew he was lying the second i yeah. saw him you're well, lying bozo Wazowski, you didn't do your paperwork <laughs> exactly the that's what i want monsters inc <laughs> no yeah, Ross. Buzz. <laughs> yeah Ross. 
I'm thinking of Beetlejuice. Oh, the, God, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 yeah. the case. Worker. And I'm not your coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay, that's I, our character. I'm that's our that character. In my head. Okay, I love it. Yeah. So, right. so that's our character. Our, our, our bad guy is uh, what's the corporation name? Uh, it needs to be very general because this is a a Che Bowl, as I bought to a, a something tech multi conglomerate Enzo Corp. Enzo Corp. We like got that. a giant it's corp. Tech. Yeah. Okay, so we've got we've got what, what's her name? Madge. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if we're doing no, her name is Carrie. That's a nice name. Yes. Carrie. Okay, Carrie. My name's Carrie. <laughs> All right, so Carrie. Let's say this and is Carrie with a K. Who's who's her confident? Her son. No. no, she didn't have a son. No, yeah, so no son. Right. I'm trying to think of who she can tell things to that we could use she, in the she couldn't be in a relationship with someone she could constantly know that was lying. You can't have a relationship if you are a lie detector. Mm-hmm. What if it's her barber? Yeah. <laughs> well, she would. She wouldn't have a barber. Yeah, she would have, have a stylist. But yeah, something in, in that vein. Like again, even a something something she would have to see weekly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the lady who works at the used bookstore. Yeah, or the, or the guy. Or Perfect. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. What, what if it's a guy who works at the... At her, the, at her astro- the stoner? Her, her astrologer. <laughs> God damn it. I gotta consult my astrologer. But she knows when people are lying. Why would she have an astrologer? <laughs> That's why it's so stupid. But the astrologer's not lying. <laughs> That's what I like about it. The only it. woman who never lied to me. <laughs> you always believe your own bullshit. <laughs> That's the thing. How they, do, she just goes there. How do you do it? How do you, <laughs> how do you believe your own? Bo- You're the only one who gets away with lying to me. All right. So, <clears throat> so bookstore. So bookstore. We have a, a. We can either have the bookstore attendant or an astrologist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one I like of book- those is funnier. The astrologist is funnier, but, but bookstore attendant's more in line with what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, so what, what we think like a, a like a young, younger guy. I'm, no, I'd say an older gentleman that you I was think a young guy. Do they have a, a beard? And like, like, like she's she's sixties, he's forties, stoner. I would yeah. say even uh, slightly older because if this is like near future, books are even less of a thing than they are now. So and it's like these are these the, are people of well, our the, ilk. No, the, you know? the only thing is then the only people who would be into it yeah. would be the young, the young, mm. the young clung on to nostalgia now. Right. I think more than but ever. Would you have bookstores in the near future? Yes. Like, yes. People don't want old things. Like, you say in you... a vintage record shop. Uh, 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 what's the? Why would anyone have that? Yeah. We were recording in a vintage record shop, yes. and Antique Roadshow is still on TV. Yes. I people, was making a place joke. Sorry. People love that shit. We've got uh, Tommy, her used book dealer. Yeah. She calls him Thomas. Yeah, Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> I think Tom, I think Tommy is is way better. She's <laughs> not. The she, voice is always the yeah, only reason. She, so, so Tommy is is yeah. is who he is, and he's an old stoner who just likes used books and like recommends things to her. Um, she goes in and goes to buy a book, and he tells her that she already bought it. And yeah. trade it back in. Oh, far out, man. Uh, you already bought that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, you must really like that book, man. <laughs> well, I like their relationship because. She would like him because he never lies to her. Because he has right. no reason yeah. to lie to anyone exactly. ever. Yeah. Like, she's the only one in life who's like, yeah, he doesn't lie to me because he's not going to recommend a book. And more importantly, like. hey, you already bought that. No ping. Yeah. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> I want to buy it again. Hey, if you say so. Like, okay, so so I think that's a setup I for a film. I love your hat. Right? Yeah. So 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 act three is she she actually goes to the conference yes, after she yes. finds this web of lies and, and like and like starts starts the ball rolling. I think it's I think it's time to write. All right, well, no, it's not because we don't have a name. Okay, 
I was just imagining this lady on top of a train, James Bond fighting <laughs> with her cigarettes. <laughs> Flicking cigarettes at people, yeah. starting forest fires. What was, the, what was the name of that lady? What lady? I don't the know. Record, the record lady. Oh, Ellen. The, Ellen what? Oh, oh, I thought you said Elaine. Oh, Elaine. Yeah, you're Elaine. right. I thought that was a good name for the story. Elaine whatever is dead. Carrie. Carrie Olson. <laughs> Carrie. Is there a pun we can use with Carrie? Like, carry your weight. Uh, Ooh, puns are great. Carry on, my wayward son. Yes, I carry, bought, just carry I bought away. this twice. <laughs> yeah. like, it's hopefully that's the way you'll buy the DVD too. Like, yes, carried away. Twice told truth. Used lies. Used truth. Used, Used truth. truth sounds that's all right. That's yeah. that might not be close, it, but that's getting yeah, that's yeah, getting better. Close. Secondhand. Yeah. Secondhand memories. Secondhand Ooh. lies. Ooh. Secondhand lies, secondhand memories now. Yeah. I think secondhand, because memories are always first person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's secondhand memories. Okay. You guys want to do that? Yes. That second sounds like memories. an antique store. Yeah. Yeah. Secondhand memories. In fact. Could, could that even be the name of the bookstore? That could totally yeah. be the name of the bookstore. Yeah. All right. So, secondhand memories. That's our movie. Yes. Yes. Carrie had a talent that people would kill for. Don't you worry, Mr. Han. We're good for it. Mm-mm. He's lying. You are certain? I ain't never wrong. For decades, she lived life on her own terms. Hi, ma'am. I'm with the Indian Guides in New Jersey, and we're trying to get to the powwow in the Poconos. Would you like to donate money to help us get there, please? Beat it, bozo. You're a real mean lady, you know that? (laughs) But one day, her favorite hobby threw her a curveball. Hey, Miss C, is that all for you today? I don't know, Tommy. You got any more used romance novels? Anything like a teenager with a werewolf? I think you've read all of them. In fact, you brought these same books back about a month ago. What are you talking about? I ain't never read these. Yeah, you did, remember? You you wrote in the margins and complained I wouldn't give you a full refund. But her notes revealed a terrifying truth. Oh my God, the bastards erased my memories! The corporations gained something they never negotiated for. A powerful new enemy. I'm gonna take them. I'm gonna take them for all they're worth. Carrie, you weren't invited to G20. Tough titty. Hey, who wants to buy Enzo Corp's secrets? I'm selling them to the highest bidder. What? Somebody stop her. Watch her take on the world in secondhand memories. Coming this Valentine's Day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Bad Storytellers, now presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud and Audioboom, or subscribe and stream us from Google Play. I've been your host, Josh LaForge, and I'd like to thank my writing group again, Doug Banks, Liam Malone, and Max Wessel. Now remember, as listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming. Visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships.
For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Bad Storytellers on all your favorite social networks. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, ma'am. I'm with the Indian Guides, and we're trying to get to the powwow in the Poconos. Would you like to donate, please? What the fuck you do? Laugh in the middle of the fucking powwow in the Poconos. What the fuck I had it if he said this. All right, guys. Do it again. This is way more fun. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Go ahead. Hi, ma'am. I'm with the Indian Guides in New York, and we're trying to get to the powwow in the Poconos. Would you like to donate to us, please? You guys are killing me here. We're getting such good takes. Get out of here. Go go away. You guys are ruining the best takes. (laughs) Go outside. Get out of here. Beat it, bozo. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 